Welcome back to the Suresh podcast. In the last episode, we heard how the six like Bidichand, Viraga, Kishna, and Jagana went into the battlefield with their forces. They pushed back the Mughal troops, sending them running back to Abdul Khan, the main general. The six blitzed them so quickly and fast that they even stole their enemy battle standards, a highly dishonorable position to be in. Bidichand, meanwhile, firmly implanted his battle standards into the ground and set up in that position. Abdul Khan was super pissed. All his five generals now had been killed, so around 5,000 troops as well had been destroyed. At that point, he sends in his eldest son, Nabi Baksh, with 2,000 troops, and he gave Karam Chand and Ratan Chand 2,000 troops from his reserve force to go in and attack again. And that's where chapter 36 now begins, describing how this tidal wave of 4,000 troops were now flowing into the battlefield while beating their battle drums. Bidichan saw them stream in. He looked over at his brother-at-arms, Paragga, and said, Go quickly and tell the Guru. Tell him that a vast amount of troops are now approaching with great zeal. And behind them is Abdul Khan. We can see their battle standards and their farla, their little cloth at the top of the Nishan Sahib. Their battle standard is unraveled, meaning they are attacking. Death has enticed them and guided them into this battle. They desire the end of the war. Dust is flowing up into the sky, blocking the sun from all their horses. It's like a massive storm has arrived. Give this news to the true Guru. A great clash will now occur. But as will be the will of the Guru, that's how we'll destroy the Turks. Braga heard this and then took off with ten other warriors with him. They went to where Guru Hargobind, the great warrior, was and clasped their hands together in front of the Guru before bowing down. They said, Abdul Khan has now arrived in battle with an army like a massive storm which is streaming in. Please send out your arrows, which are like the heavy winds to blow these forces away. Guru Hargobind heard this. He got some water. He washed his hands, washed his feet. In every manner, he got himself ready. He fixed up his mustache, his beard, before then putting on clean and new clothes, then adorning a beautiful galugi, a plume on his distad, his turban. Around his distad, he placed a jiga, a tiara, which was embedded with large diamonds, which by seeing would infatuate the mind. His moon-like glistening sword was wide and beautiful, which was strapped around the guru's neck, meaning it was in a shoulder strap around his torso. The quiver of the guru was embedded also with rubies and jewels, which sparkled so beautifully. The arrows in the quiver were so viciously sharp. And when seen, they looked as if like deadly snakes wide at the top his quiver was filled with these arrows this quiver was worn around the guru's neck as well in a shoulder strap one would have it alongside and fastened to the waistband the guru then also took his wide shield and he tied it to his back the bow of the guru was wide it was dripped in gold it was shining so splendidly at the top of the bowstring it was tied so tight Guru Hargobind himself had a craftsman make this bow specifically to his specifications. Sitting close to the Guru, the Guru would tell him exactly how he wanted this bow to be crafted. It was heavy, it was stiff. Nobody could pull back that bowstring. How can we even measure that draw strength, the poundage required to measure such a bow? It was like body armor. It was heavy, like metal armor. In this world, there was no other who could use their strength to pull back such a bow. In taking this bow in his hand, I've described his qualities. The arrows were wide. At the back, there were feathers from vultures, which guided the arrows to their targets. When these arrows were launched out, 
They were like snakes, hissing all along the way to their target. One arrow would take out multiple enemies, killing them. The great powerful Guru Hargobind grasped these, and he readied himself. He adorned a kanjar, a dagger, a jamtar, a katar, punch dagger, in his waistband, along with a tamacha, a pistol. The truthful Guru then said, Bring my strong horse. Listening to this command, they brought the horse, all decked out in his drip, the cloth on his saddle, the cloth that the saddle rests upon was embedded with rubies and jewels. The horse had uh, his neck up tall and his tail was spinning around in happiness. The horse was snorting all along its way up to Guru Hargobind. This is a positive sign of communication, showing that the horse is happy, like the tail wagging. The horse was bay colored, so reddish brown in color. It had a beautiful gold jewelry on the front. It wore a gajga, which is this plume-like galgi for horses worn on its head, its crown piece, essentially. It also had a beautiful rein in its mouth, which it was every so often chewing on. It was so strong and powerful, it looked like a baby elephant that had come destroy the enemies. Its chest was wide and broad. It looked so agile and sleek. Just as you instructed it, it would move and follow in that direction. It was so attentive and responsive. From previous great fortune, this horse came to be as the vehicle of the true Guru, who when seeing the horse arrive, Guru Hargobind got up and said, Vaheguru, when looking at it. Guru Hargobind then placed his foot in one stirrup, then held the back of the horse's neck, the hair, and then mounted up on the beautiful, powerful horse. The battle drums were now struck, and a great thunder of drums spread over the area. All the warriors then took this as the signal and mounted up with Guru Hargobind grabbing their weapons. They all wanted to kill the enemy soldiers in front of them. Some went forward to see this great battle. Their rifles were sounding off and a great noise spread through the area. It was as if, by the drum beats, great celebrations were kicking off. Everybody yelling out, kill, kill, was as if people were singing songs of joy. The bullets being let off were like the instruments being played. And Guru Hargobind was looking at this beautiful chaos in battle and thought about entering that area. At the same time though, Badasaram and Shaktu, two great warriors, came in front of the Guru with clasped hands standing there. They said, Great King, look at this massive war, but please stay to the side. Please give your servants the permission first to go in and kill the Turks. With the glory of your word, we'll adorn great strength and destroy them. We'll fight at the forefront. What are these little worthless soldiers in front of us? We'll go loot Lahore, Delhi, Agra and uproot all of these cities. Seeing the enthusiasm and spirit of these six, <laughs> Guru Hargavan gave them the command. Look for where the battle is roaring greatest and go create even more havoc there. We'll slowly arrive there where Abdul Khan is. We'll finish off this battle today, having destroyed countless Turks. Listening to this, the warriors were delighted. They quickly sped off on their horses, weapons in hand. The battle drums were beating so loudly. Taking many troops with them, they pounced on the Turks. It was like a tiger jumping into a herd of deer. They all scattered. First, they shot off their rifles, all at once. Then, they came towards the corrupt Nabi Baksh, the eldest son of the main commander, Abdul Khan. Both sides were locked in now in a vicious fight. The six had pounced on them like birds of prey, hunting down little sparrows. First, they had shot out their rifles, then their arrows. When they clashed, they used spears, swords to strike and throw the enemy down. When the warriors got even closer, they used punch daggers, katars. Some were fighting with fists, imbued with the essence of warfare. Nobody took one step back. They held strong to their honor. Shouting out, kill, kill, they killed and were cut down in the process. The Turks 
had their metal work against them. Their swords went dull, the strikes weren't landing, the guns weren't firing properly. It looked as if these soldiers were already dead on the battlefield. Like bubbles on water getting dissipated by heavy winds in the same way the six went pouncing on the Turks had them all scattered. Many were killed, many were just frightened and ran away. Bidichan then in great rage jumped into the battle. Pulling back his bowstring to his ear, he was just launching out arrows left and right, killing enemies. Sometimes two at a time he was letting out these arrows. And the arrows themselves would go through at least two people. He himself was killing countless Turks there. Nobody could handle him. Bilichand, who was on a strong, agile horse, which was moving around all around the battlefield, wherever he saw the enemy in great numbers, he went there destroying them. He at this point just merged into the battle lines of the Turks. The great, strong warrior Bilichand was just killing and decimating, creating havoc wherever he went. The enemy saw him and desired to take him out, but they tried what they could. Nothing worked. They ended up killing themselves. Bidijan was like a vicious tiger, calling out, roaring in the battlefield before destroying the enemy. Seeing the chest of an enemy, he'd pull back his bow and just nail them with arrows, launching them straight off their horse. In this chaos, the son of Chandu, Karmachand, came in front of Bidijan. Amongst all the bodies piled up with the streams of blood flowing, this idiot pressed forward in great enthusiasm, getting excited seeing Bidijan. He said to him, You killed my father right in front of the Guru. I've been waiting for this moment. Now I've been fortunate to, to see you here in the battlefield to get revenge, to remove this debt over my head. First I'll kill you in the battlefield, then I'll go grab that warrior guru of yours. Bidichan heard this and just laughed and spoke out loudly, replying, saying, You want to remove this debt from your head? You're so smart, but tell me, when you die here, who's going to get revenge for you? Who will remove that debt on their head associated with your death? Everybody's going to doubt this. Tell me, what do you think about that? Garmachand heard this and quickly just shot out an arrow. That arrow hit Bidichand. It didn't go deep in his body. He just grabbed it, pulled it straight out of his body and threw it to the side. Bidichand quickly moved his horse around to avoid a second arrow shot out by Garmachand at that point. Bidichand then pulled back himself an arrow and then going face on with Garmachand shot it out, aiming and the arrow hit. Karamchan's horse right in the head and went straight out the other side. The horse fell on the ground like an ele elephant crumbling to the ground. Bidichan quickly pounced on him, but he didn't strike him with a sword. Karamchan was stuck underneath his horse. Bidichan jumped off his horse. He pulled Karamchan out from under that horse and quickly pulled back, went behind his own lines. Meanwhile, the six continued on fighting the Turks. Bidichan was just dragging Karamchan. The Turk forces tried to press forward to get out Karamchan, but the Sikhs continued firing off their rifles, providing suppression fire, which pushed back the enemies. Bidichan quickly at that point arrived where Guru Hargobind was. He had dragged Karamchan the entire way there. Bidichan just threw Karamchan at the Guru's feet. Karamchan kept his head low. He couldn't look the Guru in the face. Bidichan said, Oh master, this guy has a massive debt on his head. He wanted to get revenge, but couldn't remove this debt from his head. We should tie him up now and put locks around his feet. The compassionate Guru Hargobind laughed and said, What are we going to get from him? Let this idiot out so he doesn't do this crap again. Like father, like son. This guy's father was an enemy. His son in the same way as a servant to the Turks. Just slap him up a few times with some shoes so we remember this guy's virtues. 
Obeying the command of the Guru of the Six, took off their shoes and beat him up. He didn't say anything else and he just ran away. He kept running and found his way back to the Turk lines. He eventually met with Abdul Khan, the main commander. His heart was beating like crazy. He was finally able then to breathe with ease when he got back there. And he said, I was captured. I was taken where Guru Hargobin was. But with some deception, I freed myself and quickly came back here. I was killing six the whole way back. I also got info on them. They only have a few troops left. Many of them have been killed. We should all press forward and go kill them now to capture Hargobin. Let's gather our strength. So here, obviously, a side note. Karim Chand is making all of this up. Karim Chand then said this to Abdul Khan and himself went forward a little bit in the battle. He had taken another course from Abdul Khan. And this is how Bidhi Chand caused great havoc and chaos in the battlefield. Meanwhile, Parasaram and Shaktu were still there fighting. And that's how chapter 36 concludes. In the next chapter, we're going to hear how Parasaram and Shaktu fight against Abdul Khan's eldest son, Nabi Baksh. So that's where we're going to pick up next time. But as always, I'd like to thank those who have been supporting the podcast through the Mangla Jarn Patreon page.